hello, hello, and welcome back to Cast Without Trace. We're back. We are back. back. Is it a season two? Who knows? Whatever we just call it. It's hard to say. It was so far, we have not stuck to some kind of regular schedule. So, we, I mean, we could call it season two. We could call it, I don't know, like, they're not calling this 5.5 or 6. So, we could call this whatever we want, right? That's true. This is Cast Without Trace 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, it's just, it's just the sequel. <laughs> We're the starting sequel. over from scratch. This is episode one. <laughs> just don't call it a coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't go anywhere. Precisely. Well, I mean, according to according to podcast apps, we were gone long enough to be labeled as infrequent, so, or sorry, yeah, I mean, uh, as not, not inactive, as inactive. Inactive. Yeah. Wow. I, okay. I, I, we well, put in the archive bin on my Overcast app, and that made me sad. Yeah. Well, we're back. We are back. So yes. take that Overcast. And uh, what I will say about that is, part of that has been a little bit on on me, uh, me dunk. Um, Oh yeah, we forgot to do like the actual. Didn't introduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should probably reintroduce ourselves based on distance from last recording. So one hundred percent. Yes. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Castle Without Trace. I am Dunk. I use they them pronouns. Uh, I'm Jason. I use he him pronouns. I'm very excited to be back. It's been so long. Yes. Um, I've spent excited. a lot of time editing podcasts in the meantime, but not a lot of time recording them. So I'm yeah. really I'm happy to be here. Yes, I have also spent some time editing, um, but also uh, very much so, which will be explained on another podcast, actually, uh, my other podcast, Spirits Rising. Uh, please like and subscribe. Um, get the early plug in. Yeah, get the early plug for in. For sure. Uh, the info of, like, basically my summer of adventures and travels for work uh, are going to be on that because that is part of my work. So um, if you are interested in hearing about uh, adventures in Germany by Dunk, Go go check it out on Go check it out. Spirits Rising, which actually uh is kind of also getting maybe a bit of a season two situation going forward. Um There's a lot of a lot of reboots happening in your life at this moment. A lot so. a lot of reboots, yes. Uh, which yeah, <laughs> uh, uh as I am currently recording from my new place for the first time, yes. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, big big move. Not it's that like it matters to done. anyone. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Fans of the show might be pleased to know that I am now living very close to uh, to uh, our our guest uh, from past episodes, Brent Bellamy. Um, yep. So that's kind of funny. Um, and yeah, but the 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 spirits rising is uh, maybe going to be wholly rebranded into. I, I think we're Ooh. calling it like we're, yeah we're we're going forward and going to be calling it starting like next month or so. Um, mm-hmm. The Samaritan Soapbox. That's <laughs> that's a catchy name. I like it. I like. It. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's quite as good as Cast Without Trace, but it's pretty good. It's definitely not not as good as as Podcast Without Trace, but yeah. um, you know, we we do what we can in the in the the tiny leftist uh, community that we got on Spears Rising. <laughs> so we've got we've got lots to talk about today. Yes, we do. It's going to be a big one. We've got so much going on. Um, because D and D has so much going on, um, it's mm. it's kind of whack. Yeah. So they they did an announcement uh, recently. Um, there's a lot more books that are going to be coming out for Five E over the next about year and a half. Um, obviously, Spelljammer just got dropped officially. Um, they're going to be dropping an adventure uh, that continues Lost Minds of Fandelver near the end of next year. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I think all of that has been overshadowed by this Unearthed Arcana article that dropped that same day. Um, there's been talk about some kind of new revision to D&D 5e, whether that's 5.5, if it's 6, 
if it's something else entirely, um, but we're getting kind of our first glimpse at what this sort of new evolution of Dungeons and Dragons looks like. Um, so this Unearthed Arcana article that they posted, um, I think it was last week, um, mm. it's a 21 page document that basically goes over their new direction for character creation. Uh, we're talking about character races, backgrounds, um, and then it also goes into some feats as well. Um, so some really, really interesting stuff in here. It's caused a lot of dog or a lot of uh, conversation in the D&D community. Uh, a whole new subreddit's popped up for it. So there's a lot going on here. Yes, uh, big things. And yeah, so they haven't said anything about it being a 5.5 or a 6.0, but they did launch this sort of new idea as one D&D. I've heard that. Yes, been that's, thrown that's around. what they're calling it at the moment. Yeah. Um, the same way that the, the 5e playtest was called D&D Next. Um, this is, I don't know what they're going to end up calling it. Maybe they'll just keep calling it one D and D forever. I don't know if that's a great name, uh, but it is what they're using for the time being. So, yeah, I think they should definitely call it, uh, yeah. D and D one, um, to replace the D and D three sixty. That's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> same years, right? 2014. Yeah. 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 You're not wrong. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So we've got some, some crazy stuff to be looking at, uh, moving forward. Uh, we do also have um, a bit of like follow-up stuff, I guess, um, but we can save that for for later near the end, um, sure. and yeah. just jump right into jump right into this document because it's yeah, it's fucking twenty-one pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's twenty-one pages worth. Uh, just some a couple things that I want to note. Um, this was not included in the document here, but there's a one-hour-long uh, Jeremy Crawford talking video on the D and D YouTube channel that has some really important information that I feel like they probably should have introduced in this document and not in that video. Uh, one of them being that these articles, they plan on coming out roughly monthly. Um, so we're going to be seeing, uh, Jeremy Crawford has let us know that uh, we're starting kind of big picture, uh, with the character creation stuff. Uh, eventually we're going to move into specific classes. Uh, and then he also said we might even have see articles that are just covering like spells like specific spells that have been just completely overhauled um so it's going to get much more specific over the course of the next about year and a half um and then this new player's handbook is planned to come out in 2024 um so we have the rest of 2022 and probably the majority of 2023 where these articles are coming out roughly monthly um the other thing that i want everyone to keep in mind is that these rules are out of context um so we can see what they're going to be doing with character creation these rules aren't finished this is playtesting, so uh, we can give wizards our feedback for this kind of thing. So if we want something to change, we do have to like fill out those surveys and let them know. Um, but these are also being released without class revisions. Um, so we don't know what the classes are going to look like. Uh, hopefully we'll be getting that information within the next few months. Uh, I assume the next few articles are going to be talking about um, some class revisions. If not all of them at once, then probably you know three or four per article. Um, so we'll have to see kind of how these new rules mesh with the class revisions. But for now, we're going to have to take them out of context, um, which is fine. I mean, we can, we can come up with our opinions based on this kind of in a vacuum, uh, but they might change based on how they interact with certain class abilities uh, going forward. So just keep that in mind. These are not finalized rules, uh, and we don't really know how they're going to interact with the new stuff. But uh, for now, we can just talk about what we have in front of us yeah precisely so uh and it's probably good to know that a note that's um yeah you saw this this one hour video of jeremy crawford uh explaining this sort of document and stuff that's moving forward i died you found out about it just two minutes before we started recording because you yeah. let me know about it so so um, um if there's yeah. anything i i don't obviously i don't have the whole video memorized but if there's anything that kind of sticks out that i remember from the video i'll make sure to mention it um it's nothing like crazy he just kind of talks about like the, the, the philosophy behind a lot of this design yeah. um but there's a few moments that i would uh, that i will call out later so that's gonna be very good i'm looking forward mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, so we've got a few things listed here um, that we're going to talk about sort of in different categories. Uh, so basically, obviously, the first ones are races. Um, yeah. Then there's, of course, the backgrounds, which uh, is huge. So that's probably oh, a yeah. big conversation. Um, oh, yeah. There's some minor rule revisions. Um, minor just being it, it's like kind of jammed in here. Um, not that they're minor rule changes, uh, but just that they take up a small portion of the pages. Um, yeah. And then uh, new feats. Feats have been overhauled in quite a way. Um, and then spells have also been sort of jammed in here in a little bit of a fun little little way here as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to go through all of these these fun boys. Um, do we want to talk about races first? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so they've, they've included um, a handful of races uh, in this document. It's not... I mean, 5e is pretty bloated with races at the moment. Oh, yeah. um, we're kind of going back to the basics here. So a lot of these are going to be familiar from the 2014 Player's Handbook. Uh, there's a couple of major differences. One is that they're introducing a whole new race called the Ardling, which we'll talk about. Probably one of the most interesting things that has come out of this article. Oh, yeah. uh, the other that I want to touch on, because it's like literally like on the first page before even the races come up, um, is that they've kind of gotten rid of the half races from the player's handbook. So you won't see the half elf or the half orc in here. Uh, half elf is removed entirely. And then they've added the orc uh, from uh, monsters of the multiverse into this document. Mm. Um, so they have a block here uh, describing rules for half races that if you want to create one, like if you still want to play your half elf or your half orc, uh, but they also say like basically anything can be mixed with anything. So if you wanted to play a half dragonborn, half dwarf, for example, um, they they do have rules for that. It's pretty bare bones. Um, I'm To be honest with you, as someone who's like half elf was definitely kind of my uh, character creation race of choice for a very long time. Uh, it's a little bit disappointing to see that go away and instead be replaced by I, I like okay so let me just give you what the rules say um if you'd like to play a child of a wondrous pairing of races you pick two to represent your parents um so for example if you were to pick human and elf you would pick those two one of them gives you your game traits your size your speed and your traits like your special abilities and then you can mix and match the visual characteristics um so really it's just these rules are, hey, if you want to play a half-elf, pick either elf or human, and then flavor your character as you choose. Yeah. Um, which feels lazy to me. Uh, flavor li- has bit. always been free. So I don't... Like, getting rid of the option to for a half-elf or a half-orc, and then saying, hey, if you do want to play a half-orc, just pick orc, and then describe your character as looking more human than orc. Um, so... Yeah. I, I see where they're coming from, but I, I wish... I know this might be more complex than they are looking to make this system, but I wish there was some way to mix and match different traits into one, like kind of synthesize. So like pick one from one list and one from another and then kind of create... You basically wholesale. want like multi-classing rules for, for, for races. Yeah, yes. yeah I do. Uh, Except yeah. like not necessarily like having all the abilities, but like being able to pick and choose. Obviously, I think if they weren't careful about that, th- there would be broken combinations but like definitely but just figure it out yeah right i, I mean what i will say is like the, the the race um i guess like features and stuff like the, the the mechanics for different races um definitely has taken a bit of a step back in certain ways mm-hmm. i think uh becoming definitely. much less important which i think really shows this idea of like avoiding sort of race essentialism and in that same way mm-hmm. they've kind of um you know, tried to ride this line in a lot of the language of like having, um, 
you know, less play setting or story world specificity into uh, each of the things, but also realizing that D&D, um, literally the way that the game is designed, it cannot not be play specific to a certain degree. So yeah. they're kind of like trying to ride that middle ground, but they're, they're also like each one has like this, like, you know, humans has like humans of many worlds and like Ardlings, Ardlings of many worlds and shit like that. Mm -hmm. um, just stating that like, yeah, like they're different depending on, you know, which play setting and stuff you're, you're going to have. So like, you know, there's certain things like that, but the, the, the characteristics I think have been a little less, um, the, the mechanical characteristics have been a little less important in the races and have been moved in importance to other things, which we'll talk about. One thing that, that should be noted is uh, sort of a mechanical thing. Um, not really, though, if I'm being honest, uh, or at least the way I play D&D, &D, it's not. But, um, you know, one mechanic for mixing races uh, for character origin uh, is lifespan. So basically, uh, you know, determining the average between two option averages uh, for whatever. So like the example they give is like if you're a halfling and gnome parents lineage, um, then your lifespan is going to be 288 years instead of like, you know, however long a gnome is or however long a yeah. halfling is. Um, it's kind of just that middle ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it does it does feel a little bit disappointing. I, I really loved the, the half elf as well, especially because so much of the flavor text and stuff around it and some of the mechanics were built they, they were different from the elf and they were different mm -hmm. from the human because to be someone who is of a mixed parental origin um you know it is a fundamentally different experience just in real life like right. having and if, like being biracial is like you know it's it's not exactly being a person of like person of color in specific culture or like a white person it's right. it's, it's a whole different experience yeah, and it feels like what they've done here is, like, the rules are telling you, like, hey, you can be half one and half the other, but which one are you really? Like, you've exactly. got to pick one, yeah. so figure it out. And, like, that just feels kind of weird to me. Yeah. Um, so if I if I have one major complaint about uh, this document, it's probably that I wish they would flesh out those rules a little bit more, mm -hmm. um, just based on what we just talked about, so... Yeah. Uh, we can we can move on from that and talk about the actual things they put in the book rather than the thing or the document rather than the things that they haven't put in the document. Yes, um, uh, specifically, I think we <laughs> should talk about the Ardling because it's so sure. far up. Yeah, in the like we can start there. It's, That's fine with me. It's really cool. I think we both want to talk about it. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, yeah, the Ardling is basically it's kind of hard to like even describe it. Really, uh, it's sort of a new counterpart to the Tiefling, right? They've they've kind of yeah. created this mirror for the Tiefling. Um, it's it's an angelic or upper planes uh, influenced race, uh, not unlike the Asimar of old. See that uh, that's kind of what kind I of thought occupying about. a different spot. That's kind of what I thought about originally, but then like when it's like, oh yeah, uh, Ardling has a head resembling that of an animal and stuff yes. like that. It's like okay, wow, okay, this is different from the Asimar entirely. Okay. Yeah. So just to, to give people an idea, um, what they've laid out here is a race that uh, has humanoid or is a humanoid but has animalistic traits. Um, so I, specifically, they have the head of an animal, much like you might see in you know Egyptian mythology, for example. There's also you know even just in Judeo-Christian philosophy or uh, in in those kind of stories, there are um, 
you know, angels that have multiple heads of animals. In, oh, oh, if we want to talk humans, about canonical so not, angels, we can talk about yeah. canonical angels, but that's just a that, whole it, yeah, we've, I've been seeing a lot of people online say that it's specifically um, like Native American or uh, Egyptian influence, but it, it definitely there's there's uh, animalistic kind of influence in, in appearances in a lot of different uh, mythologies and things. Yeah. So what I will say um, as as an indigenous person is that people are, that are saying it's it's, uh, you know, based off Native American influence uh, probably aren't um, Native American yeah that's probably true i just want to verify that just real quick um yeah that's some weird shit and also we're not all the same but anyway yeah um yeah it's kind of cool though because uh you know the the tiefling is divided into like these three sort of categories now Mm -hmm. um based on their sort of lineage from the lower planes and the ardling has done the same in in the higher planes um so we have the exalted the heavenly and the idyllic and mm-hmm. they all share certain, um, you know, traits, uh, including the angelic flight feature, which um, every DM ever is going to hate and probably well, nullify it's in like, some it's, way. It's, but it's like, kind of like a big jump rather than having actual flight, because um, you don't get to keep it over tur- over turns. It's basically just like you get limited flight for your turn. True. It's like um, the original Superman. It's like I, he can jump yeah. over large buildings, but he can't actually yeah, fly. Can... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, but the like you know the the different uh, sort of legacies, the exalted, heavenly, and idyllic, all have like different animal suggestions, and then they all have like different uh, you know spells that they get inherently um, for for that, right? Like the the exalted yeah. has like thaumaturgy, divine favor, uh, favor and uh, lesser restoration, which is all all pretty great spells, if I'm being honest. Absolutely. Yeah, so like, okay, I, I don't think, I, I'm actually, let's be clear, I think the Ardling is very cool, I'm actually super into it, I think there's some directions they could go in it that would definitely um, make it maybe a little bit more uh, appealing to kind of the general audience, because um, mm-hmm. I've been seeing, this is, to be honest with you, it's pretty controversial online from what I can see, um, and I think part of that is that um, in, in these Celestial Legacies, it kind of feels like, one, the suggested animals kind of feel random. I don't know if there's like yeah. if I'm just not doing enough research, but like why is like in terms of idyllic, why is like bear, dog, raven, and toad all like wh- why are those the examples yeah, it's for like idyllic? one of these? One of these is not like the other. I, I think the 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 yeah the, the, they're all kind of like that, like cat, eagle, goat, mule, yeah, elephants, owl, pig, stork, like why? What are the reasoning for yeah. these? Like so, where, like where and then the, the other thing is that like I do I do think the spells also kind of feel randomly chosen oh like, okay yeah. so 100 the, the exalted for example what we were just talking about right the way that they've kind of split it up is like they want to have and they've done the same thing with the tieflings is they want to have like a chaotic good a neutral good and a lawful good sort of uh hierarchy going on mm-hmm. um, where you can pick like one of three sort of uh planes that are associated with those um uh alignments yeah um and like it it strikes me that like the exalted uh ardling should like be more well suited towards like a paladin, for example. Um, like talk Ooh. about like fierce passions, heroic hearts, wondrous natures, um, heroic champions, and celestial ancestors for idyllic. But then, like why why lesser restoration on that list, right? Like, would it make more sense to have some kind of smite spell on there and like kind of give it a more uh, firm flavor rather than just kind of like here's a heavenly spell, here's a heavenly spell, which kind of like throw them all into a bag and see what happens yeah precisely so it, it makes very little sense i mean as with the heavenly right like the light cure wounds zone of truth it's like mm-hmm. it, it they don't match up super well i i would even put like 
I, I would even say that Zone of Truth should probably be in the Exalted because that works more yeah. for that flavor. Like those yeah. should be switched around if I'm being honest. I do. I think the um, the idyllic list is probably the best out of all of them. 100%. Getting guidance as a cantrip and then healing word at third level is probably very, very good. Mm -hmm. uh, keeping in mind that um, all of these racial spell traits that you have, um, you can cast them at a first or you can cast them at their level without spending a spell slot. Mm -hmm. um, but then after that, uh, you can use the spell slots you have from a class that has spell slots to cast them again. Uh, you also get to pick what um, ability score you're using. Um, so for example, like if you were an idyllic Ardling wizard, you now have access to Healing Word as a wizard using your Intelligence modifier, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of... Uh, you'll see that this is going to be a pretty common theme here. There's a lot of different sort of customization options that you can do um, based on using these rules with the current Player's Handbook rules that we see. So uh, I'm really interested to see kind of what how people are going to mix and match certain things to create some pretty powerful builds. Yeah, for sure. Um, and of course, there has also been kind of a, a statement here of each of the races that are that are put here. Um, you know, usually when we have you know races in, in character creation, uh, you know, in five e, um, you know, you've got your lifespan, your size, you know, all, all that stuff, mm -hmm. your speed, um, and usually your languages as well. Yeah, there aren't any here. Yeah, so languages are determined basically entirely by background now, uh, yeah. which I think makes sense. Um, not even is... necessarily by background, because even the backgrounds don't all have languages associated with them, if, yeah. I, if I remember correctly. Um, or they get extra languages depending on background. But um, what is notable is they do have a full list of languages for your character to be able to, yes. to choose from. Um, yeah. one of which including a uh, common sign language. Uh, yeah, I just want to so like made... give a little shout out to yeah. that. I love that they have a canonical sign cool. language now. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, I'm actually, I'm looking down the list as well, and the only race I can see that comes with a um, uh, language default uh, appears to be Dragonborn, which is super strange. <laughs> it's like, okay, it makes sense, I guess. Like, you know, dr Draconic is like a magical primal language of some kind, and it's like, yeah. you know, to have that as like an inherent thing is kind of cool i i do kind of like that but like yeah you know it, it does seem a little bit weird of like why do not other ones but i guess like yeah mm -hmm. if you talk about magic um but then again i feel like if that's the case then like tieflings should get you know infernal or abyssal naturally right. as well like some of these things should just come naturally to to you yeah that that is that is yeah. a weird <laughs> weird to like exemption from the rule we we should probably also will, talk um, about the human shouldn't we yeah just uh, like just as a final thought for the ardling i want to say that like i do actually like the idea of them having animalistic traits just because in my head like i'm picturing um like in a setting where people are aware that ardlings exist obviously so when they see someone with like a bestial form they're like oh that person can just take care of it like we have a huge problem but like whatever like this is you know <laughs> yeah this, this is like we, we've we've been sent a hero from the heavens to solve it so like they could just take care of it and i feel like playing an ardling character that has that sort of like baggage on them where it's like i don't like i'm just a guy like, yeah i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> just because i have the head of a toad does not mean that i can solve every problem you have. i i love how yeah. that was the example you gave the head of a toad because if, if well, i saw someone that's walking the one around really with the head of a toad I would not I, think, I think. Oh, playing, good. Oh, thank goodness we're saved, right? Like, I I don't know. I I think if I was if I was gonna play an Ardling, Toad is definitely the one I'm the most interested in. You know what? I'm gonna Just play someone like who a, is a half human, like a frog head. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna play someone who is half human, half grung. 
And, yeah. and the way that that is flavored <laughs> is they just have a toad head. And so yeah. everyone thinks they're an Ardling, but they're actually just like a, a chaotic no, evil. My dad is just a, yeah. My dad was just a, a Really a into frogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay moving on to moving on to humans um Um, i think there's some really interesting stuff here uh so standard and variant humans no longer exist there's one human (laughs) um which is i think is really i think that's a great move Uh, who was using standard human anyway probably no one unless feats weren't allowed at your table but now feats are baked into the default rules so it's gone um one thing that's interesting to note here is that you can now be a small human which makes sense definitely because there are humans that fall into the small size range in D terms like in real life so yeah. being able to choose small as an option just makes sense i'm surprised it didn't exist before yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it makes it makes absolute sense to have that um lifespan is 80 years of course still yeah, um yeah. There, there are some new like features though um like the resourceful uh feature which is gain inspiration whenever you finish a long rest yeah so what I wouldn't if, if anyone here has been playing Five E since 2014 and doesn't know what inspiration means, I wouldn't blame them because it's not something that's used very often. Do no. do not confuse it with bardic inspiration. Completely different thing. Uh, inspiration is something that in the default rules the DM was able to give out sort of willy nilly as they felt it. Um, it would basically just give advantage on a roll as you choose, mm-hmm. uh, and then once you use it, it's gone until you get another one. Um, they've baked now inspiration into a lot of core rules here. Um, so for example, humans just get inspiration whenever they finish a long rest. So every single day, uh, at least once, you'll be able to kind of choose a role to get advantage on, which I think is a really interesting feature. Yeah. Um, it's kind of just like makes humans luck. pretty powerful. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's very, very sort of similar to that. It's like you get to, so it doesn't necessarily like, there's a limited pool of it, but you don't, you don't always use it on nat ones, right? Like you use it on whatever role you want to re-roll. Because like mm-hmm. the the pr- trouble with halfling is that like if you roll a two, it doesn't affect it, right? Yeah. But if you if you're a human and you have that inspiration, uh, if you fail a roll, you can just re-roll it. Hundred um, percent. And if I remember correctly, inspiration you do have to sort of use that before you know, like before you roll even one die. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I th- it should say it in this document. Yeah, you must do so before. Uh, you must decide to do so before rolling the die. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so it's really more so of like it has to be okay. like it's like okay, this is a really important rule. I can't fuck this yeah, up. So you I'm have to choose. My you, can't, you can't see that you fail and then choose to use inspiration. Yeah. You have to do it before you roll. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that 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 works for sure. What I think um, is really great about this is it's a great thing to recommend for any player who is is a great race to recommend for any player um, who is always fishing for. Uh, that inspiration or or that that advantage mm-hmm. on any role, um, just yeah. from the situation or whatever. Um, so that that's I think going to alleviate some aspect of of DM uh, anxiety and such. Um, what I really like though is the fact that you have the skillful feature, which is proficiency in one skill of your choice. That's yep. that's pretty standard. That, that carries um, over from the standard or from yeah. the variant human. Um, and then of course the versatile uh, feature. Um, I love the language that is used here. Um, every human is versatile canonically, but the fact is, is like you get the you get the first level feat, and this is the only yeah. like this is the only race so far that has anything like that. Right. So. Uh, we're kind of jumping ahead here a little bit and we'll talk about it more uh, in kind of the next section, but every background now gives you a feat. Uh, they've kind of separated feats into different tiers. What we're seeing in this document is uh, a number of first level feats. I'm sure it's not all the first level feats that will appear in the book, um, 
but they've kind of tiered it by level, so you can only access certain feats at first level. Um, humans are the only race that can access two feats at first level, because you get one from being a human and one from your background, um, which is going to cause some really interesting combinations to happen. Oh yeah. Um, human might still be, to be honest with you, humans might still be the most powerful race in the game. Uh, variant human was definitely, um, if not number one, then in the top three. Uh, the the ability to get two feats at level one is fantastic, but obviously you're now uh, the power level has gone down on that because you can only pick first level feats. So it's it's uh, no great weapon master, uh, no sharpshooter, um, but you can choose uh, any of the feats that exist in this document. Um, and again, I'm sure there's going to be other feats that make it into that first level tier. Um, they're going to be able, I think, what they're going to do um, things like weapon master. I'm surprised aren't on first level just being able to get proficiency in certain weapons um, but there's also a lot of feats in the default rules that if you take away that plus one bonus that they give those half feats um, those could also fit into the first level uh, abilities there so I'm thinking like um, like language expert or whatever that's called or uh, like keen mind like any of those feats would be like fantastic first level kind of fit yeah into the, I mean the fact that magic initiate is here. is a first level feat I, I assume that weapon master is going to be as well like yeah. I, it's yeah. kind of one of those things this 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 is only a 21 page document this is not you know uh, a new player's handbook right so i, I think yeah. the 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 feat list is going to be widely expanded but um yeah. the ones they yeah, have listed definitely. here are very exciting um, are, um were there any other races that we wanted to cover uh, anything about um i don't think so they've all been changed slightly yeah they all have been um, changed slightly i i think the um the dwarf traits uh is interesting because you don't have like um you know I think there used to be like hill dwarfs and, and mountain dwarfs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sub races have largely been thrown out the window um, outside of like the, the ability to pick certain spells. Um, so like elves still have um, high wood and dark elf, um, mm -hmm. but it really all it affects is the, the spells that you can access from your race. Um, um, obviously, Ardling and Tiefling have those choices, but like for halflings, for uh, dwarves, um, and for gnomes. Or actually, yeah, actually gnomes still have access to forest and rock. So really for halflings mm -hmm. and, and dwarves, there's no longer sub-races for them. Yeah, um, which I think makes sense. Fine. And it's yeah, kind it's of a, at a certain point, it's like, well, so, some of the things, basically, they just kind of smush things together. So you kind of right. just like... And I think largely get those the reason together. those sub-races existed was to put different ability score increases into different places. But now yeah. that the default rules are that you can put them anywhere... It doesn't um, make sense. There's a lot less reason to have sub-races, yeah. yeah. Um, what I would... actually main stow cutting interesting, which is cool. Oh yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, but you can get limited tremor sense. Yeah. I, I really liked, uh, tremor sense, um, and mm. the stone cutting. It was just like that, that, uh, that I'm glad they kept that. Um, no, I agree. I, I'm just glad they made it an ability that will ever come into effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I would like to know, well, firstly, I, I do want to talk about the tiefling a little bit because I'm so glad mm. that they did, um, you know, I guess flesh out the tiefling because you know the, the tiefling in the like in, in the original player's handbook for 5e um it really couldn't decide whether or not it was a fiend origin or like a de demonic origin um and yeah. i think that really suffered uh because of it like th there was just a lot of honestly bullshit around that um yeah it, it just like they, they never they never decided to to flesh that out in one way or another like it, it was basically the one it was one of the only races that actually deserved to have sub races and didn't. Like, yeah, it, it just and then the, made no um, sense. in Wardenkinds, they added a few, but it was just uh, like what uh, hellish plane you're originate from. So I think this is a much better way to go about it. 100%. Uh, what I would like mm -hmm. to note is they actually do uh, now canonically uh, talk about the tiefling pronunciation. Um, so in this little 
blurb at the beginning here. It says a tiefling, open bracket, pronounced tiefling, uh, yeah. close bracket, is linked by blood yeah. to a devil, a demon, or a yugloth, <laughs> or some other feat. And I love yeah. that classification right there too. It's not just, oh, you are something bad. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it, it states, yeah, there is a connection to the lower planes. It is through these three sort of ideas, the abyssal, the the thonic, um, sorry, uh, yeah, chthonic oh, and then yeah. infernal. Yeah. And, you know, there's just, it's, it's just so much better. And now you have yeah. sub races and, you know, they have different resistances as well. Not just, oh, you're all like, oh, you're, you're a demon uh, from like, you know, this poisonous demon or this ice demon. Oh yeah. You have fire resistance. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, that makes yeah. no sense. Right. So now you, you can kind of pick and choose what, uh, what damage resistance you have and then access to certain spells, which I think is really good. Yeah, I, I'm super into the new tieflings. They feel uh, really, really good. Um, and then being able to kind of put the Ardling as the other half of that coin, I think, makes a lot of sense. 100%. Um, and of course, kind of the, the, the adding of the Chthonic, uh, I think, is really, really good because it does, yeah. you know, put this idea of, like, this sort of connection to, like, death and stuff like that, um, which was never kind of a part of the tiefling, but only made sense to mm -hmm. be a part of the tiefling. Yeah. Um, and they've, so they've really done it again that. like the same way they did chaotic neutral and lawful good for ardlings now they have um a bit like the abyssal is obviously the chaotic uh, chaotic evil uh, and then chthonic being neutral evil and uh infernal being lawful evil so having yeah. those three three options is really really cool yeah um the only other thing that i kind of wanted to touch on was um the dragonborn it's a little bit disappointing because uh, in fizz bands they kind of did an overhaul of the dragonborn which felt really good um and the fact that there's there's two things that i think are missing from the dragonborn here uh one is that um drem dragonborn aren't in this mm -hmm. which strikes me as strange because they had just introduced them in fizz bands so i don't know why they aren't included here um i know that they might not want to shoehorn like you know uh gem dragons into every mm -hmm. setting but it just strikes me as like those are really cool options, and not having them here kind of sucks. Um, the other thing is the breath weapon. Uh, in Fizzbands, they made it replace an attack as part of your attack action. And uh, in here, it again, now it just takes your entire action to do your breath weapon. Um, so they've re-nerfed the breath weapon to the player's handbook, which feels bad as well. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping. very simple. I would much prefer that they just copy and pasted the Fizzbands Dragonborn into this document rather than kind of mm. taking two steps back on it, but... Also, what I will I state here is the, the breath weapon is one of the only... It's it's actually, I think, the only racial feat um, or racial feature that is tied to a specific skill. Yeah. Which is yeah, uh, your, your DC for the breath weapon is your constitution modifier. So, yeah. like, why? You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it could be, you know, definitely flavored to... Like, it, it, it could very much makes sense to be charisma as charisma is like a natural magic modifier for dragons it could be yeah um you know intelligence for other dragons right it doesn't make sense to have it a constitution modifier um and it feels a little bit silly and very much yeah it doesn't fit with the rest of it yeah i i don't disagree with that actually i think um uh, they could make it maybe not like intelligence wisdom charisma but letting you choose a, like some like either constitution or charisma might make a lot of sense yeah um depending on yeah it just feels like they like they they took a lot of really good steps with the dragonborn and fizz bands and um mm -hmm. kind of re-nerfing them to player's handbook status i feels really strange to yeah. me so i mean that, that that's um, actually a, an interesting thing like is i i don't think i see any difference um of the dragonborn traits here from the player's handbook 
I actually think the only difference is you can no longer choose if your breath weapon's a cone or a line. Yeah, I guess so. Um, based on your lineage. Okay, so uh, so I they I everything else got think, cooler, and yeah. this got less <laughs> choice. Cool. Okay. Well, okay. Also, also, it's actually it's very much worth noting that they gave Dragonborn's dark vision, which they did not have in the player's handbook. Um, so obviously, one of the oh, biggest okay. complaints wow, about Five okay. E is that every race has uh, dark vision. Except um, for so they just said whatever. Let's yeah. give all the races dark vision. So um, now humans don't have it, but I think uh, everything except for. Um, human and Ardling, I think, have uh, Ardlings don't have dark vision. That is correct. Oh my goodness, you're right. Yeah, I just assumed that they did because <laughs> Asimar have dark vision. Every race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, halflings don't either. I don't think, but halflings that, don't. Yeah, but halflings never had. Halflings never had. Okay, yeah. so Dragonborn got dark vision. Dragonborns, Dragonborn. So they didn't get fully nerfed. They got dark vision. <laughs> at a certain point okay i i honestly don't think i've ever played a game where like you know dark vision has been actually like you know a thing that anyone's actually thought about or or any sort of visibility unless someone casts like a darkness spell um yeah which you know negates dark vision anyway but whatever it's so fucking silly okay <laughs> we need to move on yeah should we move on to backgrounds we need to move on to backgrounds yeah yeah um backgrounds cool. have been so over backgrounds actually matter now that that's the yeah. big thing backgrounds like people need to give a shit about backgrounds now because your background mm -hmm. is where like half of your stuff comes from yeah it's amazing yeah. yeah so um they have made it so that number one uh customizing your background now is now the default rule they made that very clear yes um it was always in the player's handbook but um based on the language they use a lot of people assumed it was like an optional rule um but it's very much clear now that like you can pick and choose what you want and then the the examples they give are just samples right they, they've mm -hmm. used these rules that they've given you to create backgrounds that you can kind of inspire yourself with um but by default uh you are allowed to take um two ability scores increase one by plus two and one by plus one or three by plus one so you have that option mm -hmm. uh take two skills take a tool proficiency and a language as well as choosing a feat um so I'm very interested to, to see how this kind of plays out at the table. Um, it's obviously a little bit more work to do at character creation instead of just going through the list and picking one, uh, mm -hmm. which you can still do. Um, but it feels it would feel very good for me, someone who loves to do character creation, to kind of add that extra layer of like, okay, I got to pick my feet and my skills and make sure that it all makes sense. So um, yeah. I, for one, am very, very happy about the changes they've made here. 100%. I think it's a lot better. It adds for a lot more freedom in sort of the design and stuff. But of course, if you want to just like throw something together really quickly, they have a bunch of, you know, their like preset for, for if you want to do that as well. Um, yeah. What I will say is like, well, well, the language in this document is probably like the best and most specific language, which we'll talk about more later, I'm sure. Um, the best and most specific language we have ever seen from like D and D content, like the most intentional language. Um, mm -hmm. The one here for background features is language. Choose one language from the standard languages and rare languages tables. That as a whole sentence kind of feels like you can choose one from each, but then of course it says later on your character knows that language. Yeah. So I think it is just the one language that you pick. Um, it is, but it does it 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 rules lawyers, nitpicky rules lawyers <laughs> will will take advantage of that. And I think so much yeah. of this so much of this document has been written in such a way that nitpicky rule player like rules lawyers 
can't be doing that, but this one, this one slipped past. Yeah, and I think that might be worth including when we fill out the survey as well, just to make sure that, like, because um, to be honest with you, with those uh, mixed race rules as well, I kind of misread it the first time I read it, which mm-hmm. in the same sort of way, um, which is choose two race options that are humanoid to represent your parents, uh, then determine which of those race options provides your game traits. And I thought they were talking about which of the race traits from both you could pick which ones. That would be but, yeah. awesome. Um, that would be awesome. Right, that's, that's exactly what, what we I'm want. Saying, right? <laughs> Yeah, but in this anyway, one, I mean, um, realistically, I would love to have two languages as well. But you know, whatever. Yeah, and like having multiple, obviously, like it's it's interesting to pick. There are ways to build characters in the default rules that uh, you can pick like multiple different languages. I've played characters that knew like six or seven languages off the bat in level one, um, which doesn't feel like you can do it at this point. Um, but again, they might be adding like a first level feat that allows allows you to do that. So. Um, I'm very interested to kind of see... This is a really, really good jumping off point. I'm sure the player's handbook that comes out in 2024 is going to have more options uh, than what is uh, given us given to us here. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that kind of plays out in 100%. its final form. Yeah. Do we want to talk about some of our favorites, maybe? Our favorite backgrounds? Yeah, our favorite backgrounds. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I think uh, one thing that was certainly missing... From, and obviously, keep in mind, again, that these are the sample backgrounds they've given us, and you can customize whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the, that they've included Farmer on this list. Yeah, uh, it felt awesome. like something that was super missing from the original Player's Handbook mm-hmm. list, where it's like, oh, if you want to be like a Farmer background, just pick Folk Hero. And it's like, well, no, but I don't want to be a Folk Hero. I just want to be some guy. So I think Farmer being on here is fantastic. Uh, certainly, if not my favorite, then one of them. 100%. And of course, Folk Hero isn't, isn't here. Yeah, Folk Hero is um, missing from this list. Um, yeah, what I I think the one that I really enjoy is the idea that the cultist is is here. Yeah. There is a cultist. Yeah, and yet which is, is no... like different in flavor than the accolade, right? Yeah, so I think very that's different. Um, and there's really a very, good. yeah, there's, there's, there's a key distinction between cultist and, um, and an accolade. And I think what is really fun is this really has a, a fun way of of providing a sort of religious or spiritual background to like a warlock yeah as opposed to like you know the recommendation of like oh take the charlatan background it's like okay well why <laughs> yeah yeah and charlatan does still exist here um yes. sailor uh is still here as well i think the fact that they've they've uh recommended the default for sailor is primordial as a language which i think is very interesting mm-hmm. uh you're dealing with all those water elementals so yeah it's like <laughs> you sure. gotta, yeah fair enough you gotta speak the language that's really good yeah um, um yeah i think there's just a lot of good stuff in here yeah what i will say is like the you know i i think i like a lot of these different ones um what is weird about the soldier is the soldier um gets the goblin language um which is strange. yeah and obviously, again, like these are these are just samples, but yeah. uh, it's, it feels um, like an interesting choice. Yeah, the sage, I would probably have given that like a, a less common language than Elvish. Mm. I, I probably would have thrown in some like maybe you draconic know, or celestial, yeah, or, or Sylvan even. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, just something old, <laughs> something yeah. less practical. One thing that's worth noting as well is that um, they've put thieves can't on the language table as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to be a rogue to know thieves can't rules is written. Um, yeah, which I makes think sense. pretty much every DM I've ever played with, including myself, allowed. Uh, characters to take thieves can't instead of another language but now that it's written default in the rules i think that's a very good change 100 um yeah they also added i i i know that you mentioned that the farmer you very much like the farmer um they also have a laborer mm-hmm. which i thought was interesting yeah yeah, yeah. So different like, from an it, artist very much i think they uh i think they definitely it's got a lot of uh minor flavor on it but you can obviously um yeah. What, what I think I really like about it is the fact that, like, you know, the, the samples that are given here um, mm-hmm. are 
expanded upon you know the sort of i guess backgrounds in the player's handbook uh from 2014 um which yeah. were somewhat i think very much specific to certain classes of or, or like class hierarchy i would say yes um you know like you could be an artisan but you couldn't be a general laborer right you yeah. could be you know you know you, you could be a, a a noble um but you couldn't be like a you know steward right um mm-hmm. and this kind of changes that a little bit there's there's some actual it opens up yeah a lot of possibilities for like even just like to base your your character on right like a lot of, especially if you're a new player you're going to be looking to these books for um a lot of your inspiration for your characters so yeah uh like just I- including those default i think is really fantastic um, 100%. one thing i will say that's kind of interesting is um what they've done is they've made it so that you'll notice that like a lot of uh these backgrounds have uh, really specific gold piece startings. So, mm-hmm. like for example, um, the cult starts with nineteen gold pieces. Um, One of them starts the with like three. Entertainer gold starts with eight. Yeah, uh, I think the guide starts with two. Um, they've done this because every single background adds up to exactly fifty gold now. Yes. Um, so, like it used to be that the noble would start with like twenty-five gold pieces and a whole bunch of other stuff, and it was like just for your value the best background mm-hmm. um but now they've made it so that every single background starts with 50 gold pieces worth of things yeah. um, which does so make it not... very fun because you know you can yeah. start off as like a guide and only have two gold pieces um or you can start off as an urchin and have 18 yeah <laughs> so i don't know I, I like that change a lot um and like having uh gold be your default to like spend on things before the game rather mm-hmm. than uh, anything else like being able to just or having to pick like a certain amount um and we'll see exactly like classes also give you um certain starting equipment so seeing how that works out is also going to be interesting um but for the time being i think this is really cool fucking hell you know i i just realized so the urchin gets 18 gold pieces to start off with and like a bunch of mm-hmm. cool stuff right the sage starts off with eight gold pieces and yeah. you know yeah, what you've been spending your money on too much paper well that's the thing like an academic having less gold <laughs> than what is seen as like the lowest rung of society makes so much fucking sense yep. to the modern day yeah, and it hurts me tracks. in my soul as an academic so very much <laughs> because it, it hurts because it's true <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, jesus uh, okay i'm, I'm not we, gonna uh, should we talk about feats i i think we need to start over. I, I, I think that's that's cause... part of our contract with jeremy crawford yeah because uh, obviously we can't really talk about the backgrounds without talking about the feats. Because again, every single f- background is going to give you a first level feat. Um, these are all, or maybe not all, but they're largely very, very cool. Um, they're not going to change your power level too much. Uh, Jeremy Crawford, again in this one hour video that was posted on the D and D channel, said that like the character changing feats are going to be reserved for the higher level tiers. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the ones that give you ability score increases, things like uh, Great Weapon Master and Sharpshooter, like those are going to be uh, restricted to higher levels. These first level feats are largely like, here's an incredible thing you can do, but it's like only slightly more incredible than something that like a commoner could do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not doing anything crazy yet, but there's still a lot of really cool stuff in here. Some of them you can take more than once. I think the only one in this document so far that you can take more than once, I believe is... Um, uh, magic initiate oh you don't need to um, just believe it's it is true like i i went through yeah. very oh sorry no the skilled feat also is repeatable oh the skill yeah the skilled feat you can take more than once okay yeah. cool um so yeah i mean it, it's just it, i think the changes here are really really cool um are there any that you want to call out specifically i don't know if we have to go through every single feat but there's a few uh interesting ones in here um yeah i mean i i like the savage attacker 
I think that's a great thing to have at first level. I, I think that's honestly like super powerful for a martial yeah. class. Um, and now that it's not level. competing with those like higher tier feats, I think that it's it actually much, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's a much more viable choice because it's not competing with great weapon master, for example. Mm -hmm. And the one that we already talked about, the skilled feat, I think is absolutely fantastic and something that I would take, you know, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, like I think it's cool that that's another one that like if you were if it was competing with higher level feats, like I, I don't know anyone in 5e who had taken the skilled feat just because it's competing with so much other stuff yeah um but the fact that it's only competing with these other first level feats now i think is it's gonna cause people to take it more often Hundred um, percent. i think a couple of cool ones that i want to call out they've they've made alert really interesting mm -hmm. um which is the 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 kind of very cool ability about alert is that when you roll initiative um you can swap your initiative role with one of your allies as long as they're willing to do it mm -hmm. that feels very matt coville to me um like it, it feels like something yeah. that someone would have homebrewed rather than like an actual default rule so i think that's really cool um another one that i want to call out is healer um they've actually made mm -hmm. healer a feat that you would want to take as like a cleric for example uh, because when you yeah. do roll a dice to restore hit points with anything um you you can re-roll once um so even like in the past if you had taken healer like people were only taking healer really as like thief rogues for like a, a niche build with fast hands um and a healer's kit but um it feels like a really viable option now 100 um, yeah and i like the idea of you know not having to make a medicine check with a healer's kit you know just yeah. like yeah, yeah okay we're we're rolling your hit die and there you go right like yeah you know just making it solidified rather than oh i'm wasting my action on an ability check and if i fail somehow then we're both fucked yeah 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 i like um uh in crafter the whenever you buy a non-magical item you receive a 20 percent discount on it first i think that that kind of indicates they're going to pay more attention to dnd economy which i think, I think is kind so, of interesting yeah. um, but i also like this feat as an option for like if you have a player that is notorious for liking to uh to negotiate with shopkeepers just tell them to take the crafter feat and it's like dude we don't have to do this every single time yeah you can just, just get a 20 percent discount every time you buy anything you get a 20 percent discount just take the crafter feat that implies um, that they're not going to so try I, and haggle on top of that though that's true <laughs> I, guess, I guess you'll have to you'll have to make some kind of uh, you'll have to meet in the middle or they're gonna sure. ask if it can be repeatable so they can you know stack the 20 percent discount yeah 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 get a 20 and then a 40 percent yeah exactly it's exactly. like you know by, by the um, by, by the time that you're level 20 it's like oh shit every time i buy something like i you owe me money yeah yeah uh i think tavern the new tavern brawler feat i think is going to be essential for monks uh, oh, for two reasons uh one is re-rolling ones on unarmed strike damage dice is going to increase your average damage pretty significantly as a monk um because you're rolling so many dice uh and then the being able to shove as part of an unarmed strike is also really interesting like that kind of battlefield control is going to mm -hmm. be really useful for a monk um so i'm, I'm i would be very excited to build a monk with the tavern brawler feet definitely i i like um, the I, I like the fact that they made it furniture as weapons um like instead yes. of the um yeah the you're proficient whole... with improvised weapons or whatever yeah. it was before now they're just like here are the rules like if you're using a if you're using for the record they do say uh <laughs> uh using the rules of a great club for a small or medium size of furniture so like you could pick up a chair mm. and use it as a great club <laughs> it's pretty Which fantastic really like. yeah um yeah. There, there's gonna be some there's gonna be some pro wrestler builds um from Absolutely. this for sure uh some sandy ravage yeah it does it does make me question stuff. whether or not improvised tools or sorry improvised weapons are going to be a thing moving forward or how that's going to work i think if they if they just change that rule to be like the these rules here um obviously i think um it might i i think they'll they'll save it for this tavern brawler feat like i don't know if you'll be able to 
know, it's hard to say, right? Yeah, it is hard to say because like the thing is, you yeah. know, a crowbar is not a weapon, but like being able right. to use a but crowbar you still is be a weapon. Able to whip someone over the head with it. Exactly, is like a great <laughs> sort of character. I mean, as yeah. I, I, I've played a couple of characters now that are like you know kind of like mobster mafioso kind of people, and like having like a crowbar as like the weapon is is such a great piece of flavor mm. but like you know if that doesn't work out then like you know jeremy crawford and i are gonna have some issues yeah and then i think uh, something they've done that's so interesting is like they've made it so that there's still some synergy between classes and backgrounds but like there's not a lot of overlap mm-hmm. so like for what i mean to say is that like with the musician feat like it makes a lot of sense to take a musician feat as a bard but it's still very useful even if you're not a bard right like, you, could, you could be a mm-hmm. fighter with the musician feat and be doling out inspiration um not bardic inspiration again, but like regular inspiration. Yeah, uh, they might have to change the name of one of those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I, I think you know the, the musician feat no longer you know is specific just to like a bard, but like any sort of supporting class or anyone that wants to be able to be supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, um, and of course I the think... fact that all all musical instruments are now like twenty gold instead of yeah, they're all worth fucking the same. expensive I actually... as hell. I have no problem with that. No, that's great. Uh, I think basing gold cost on in-game usefulness rather than like trying to like emulate some kind of real economy, I think that makes a lot of sense. 100%. Um, so I'm down for that. I think the last feat we want to talk about, because it's going to kind of segue us into the next big change, is probably Magic Initiate. Yeah, um, Magic Initiate is Which they is have quite changed pretty significantly. Um, so it used to be that you would pick a class and then you could pick spells based on that class's spell list Mm -hmm. um you would be locked into that spell that that class's spell casting ability um and then it also wasn't future proofed uh and jeremy crawford calls this out specifically in the video that when they introduced the artificer um magic initiate wasn't able to pull from the artificer list because Mm -hmm. it was printed before the artificer so what they've done is they've split spells into three lists uh arcane divine and primal uh, I want to make sure this is clear, because again, it's not clear in this document, but Jeremy Crawford called it out in this video. Class lists are still going to exist. Yes. And they are going to work in tandem with these new divisions. Yeah. Um, so it's not just that like wizards, or let's say, for example, like bards, they call out as arcane casters in here. Yep. Bards are still going to be able to access certain spells that aren't on the arcane list. They've just split it up for the purposes of different abilities like magic initiate where instead Mm -hmm. of picking a class now you pick a list and you get to pick two cantrips and a first level spell of the the primal arcane or divine list which i think is very very cool um you you're not locked into a spell you can pick arcane and wisdom you can pick uh, divine and charisma you can you mix and match however you feel these lists and the ability score should go um really really interesting feat I think this is probably mm-hmm. going to be the standout um, in terms of character creation. I think Magic Initiate is going to be the one that people are taking the most. Definitely. Um, I would, and this is kind of getting more into the the nitty gritty details of it, but um, I I just personally rolled up a Hexaden for a game that I'm going to start playing in, uh, which is uh, one level of Hexblade Warlock and then a, 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 a number of levels of Paladin, um, specifically so that you can use your Charisma modifier on your attacks. Um, so you can kind of make your Paladin much more ability reliant on just one uh, being your Charisma rather than having to do your Charisma and your Strength. Um, with this magic initiate feat, you no longer have to take a first level in Hexblade Warlock. Let me explain. If you choose the primal 
uh, ability. If you choose the primal list for uh, Magic Initiate, you can take Shillelagh as a uh, cantrip, oh. and you can choose Charisma as your oh. ability modifier. So as long as you're okay oh. with your Paladin using a quarterstaff or a club, because it has to be a wooden object, but as long as you're okay with your Paladin using a quarterstaff or a club, you can be a full Paladin, full 20 levels of Paladin, but still be using your Charisma modifier for attacks. Jeez. So that's... Oh my instantly in my head that's exactly like it's 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 really really cool to have that option freak my bean yeah you can Holy do the same thing with uh with like a swords bard for example exploded yeah oh my god okay so it, it's actually really interesting that you mentioned that because i am playing in a a, a multi-shot is what we're calling it because it's going to be definitely more than one, sh yeah, one more than one, one shot um at 12th level I am taking 11 levels in Paladin and one in mm -hmm. Hexblade just yep. for that. And whole, yep. oh my goodness, you blew my mind. Yeah. So as long as, hey, if you are if you can convince your DM to use these rules instead, you don't have to do that. Oh, he, he um, specifically stated as soon as this dropped, no. <laughs> oh, yeah? Okay, yeah, he's, he was just like, I, no. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But like for, yeah. for the future, for the future, Definitely. you no longer have to take a Hexblade, uh, Hexblade dip to get that oh, kind of my access. Goodness. Um and even just being able to access whatever cantrip, like, right? Like, if you were to be, um, like, you could pick Guidance as your other cantrip if you take the Primal list, and now you have, uh, like, one of the most powerful cantrips in the game. Yeah. Alongside your Shillelagh. Um, you can be a wizard with Vicious Mockery, which I love, right? Like, oh, I love that. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, I just I just think that uh, Magic Initiate is going to open up. This new version of Magic Initiate is going to open up a lot of options for characters, which I'm really, really excited about. So yeah, do we want to talk more about the nitty gritty of uh, these these class divisions or the um, the the list divisions for different uh, spells? Because there's a few more details that we might want to touch on. I I don't think I necessarily have any specific details other than what I I think I really like the fact that these are like I I like these these sort of specifications because they've always been implied, mm -hmm. but they've yeah, never been solidified. Like, they, they've used these terms, maybe not primal as much, but definitely divine and arcane. They've mm -hmm. used the terms more as flavor. And now that they're like, this just makes sense to me having these kind of divisions. hundred um, percent. And you can kind of see like the, the, the different vibes. Cause like different classes get different sort of access to yeah. magic. Right. Like, yeah. Like the, you know, the, the easiest to talk about is like the, you know, divine spells, right. For clerics and paladins. Um, the mm -hmm. arcane being for wizards and bards because they learn it. Um, but yeah. then, of course, you know, I, I've had people be like, okay, well, what about druids? And it's like, okay, well, druids yeah. get their magic from like nature and their connection to nature, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah. primal. So now that it's explicit, yeah. that it's pri the primal list. Um, a couple interesting things I want to call out is that uh, Eldritch Blast is, no is not on any of these lists, mm -hmm. um, which makes me think that it's going to be moved to a class feature of the Warlock rather than a cantrip, which I'm very, oh, I'm, God, I'm super down so. for that. It just makes so much sense. The only thing that I will say about that is that Hunter's Mark is still on the primal list. So if they were going to make... Uh, I'll just blast a uh, warlock feature. They should really just make Hunter's Mark a uh, ranger feature. Um, but it is what it is. The other thing is that, um, and I know obviously, uh, like we said, these are going to work alongside class lists. So they're mm -hmm. not like, just because you're a bard doesn't mean you're just pulling from the arcane list. If you actually take a look, bards pull a lot from uh, what's now the primal spell list. Yeah. Um, they have a lot in common with the druid spell list. Um, yeah. But you can obviously pull from different places. The only thing is that I've seen people say that there really should be four lists. Um, 
the fourth being occult magic for bards and warlocks so that you can pull like having hex on the arcane list is kind of strange to me it doesn't really feel like a it feels more like occultish than it does arcane but like the the, the divide there is very uh like there's a huge gray area there so i understand them wanting to keep it three three is a very good number yeah. obviously um with, you know it's, yeah. it's the rule of them to, to, to that i'm gonna say like honestly when people talk about like yeah. occult magic um as i'm gonna say this as, as as a theology student where does occult magic come from if it doesn't come from a divine or godly presence like it comes from something that isn't you you are channeling magic yeah from a greater entity yeah yeah i see what you're occult saying. if anything should be under divine spells just say yeah no you're like you're, occult you're, you're, occult is not different from that. divine People always say this, especially because people like that are really into the occult and stuff in the modern day, mostly white people, let's be real, you know, will talk about this and, and usually have some sort of religious trauma or like being anti-religious. Yeah. Sure. But I'm sorry to say this. Occult magic is is still yeah. religious, theological in yeah. some way. It's probably closer closer to divine than it is to arcane. Definitely. So, that, that, that's the only argument that I would make with that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think the only other thing that I think is interesting is I don't I don't know if I would have put Detect Magic on the Primal list. I probably would have been tempted to put it on the Arcane list, but I like it on the Primal yeah, list. Yeah, it I makes, really I, I think it choice. feels right there. Yeah, I, I just, like, I when I see it there, I'm like, that makes sense. But, I, like, in my head, I wouldn't have put it there first. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. But, yeah. like, it, it, it's like, it, it makes, it's like, it's, it's like, you're right, but I don't like it. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, um, and then we can we can really quickly touch on some of the the more interesting rule revisions that they put on here because yes, there are 100%. a few pages of uh, rules revisions, and some of them are more interesting than others. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's something specific you want to touch on. Yeah, the one big thing that I want to talk about is the D20 test. The D20 test, right? Is uh, they say the the term D twenty test encompasses the three main D twenty roles of the game: ability checks, attack yeah. rolls, and saving throws. I think that this idea of calling everything a D twenty test is going to be so helpful for so yes. many new players yes. because every single time that that I have been at a table where you have new players, and I've been helping out, or where I've been at a table where I am running a game for new players, the idea of hey make an attack roll or hey make a saving throw or hey make an ability check and them looking at all their dice being like okay which one do i do for that again and then it's like oh it's the d20 it's like oh but i use the d20 for this it's like yeah you use it for basically everything this term is going having, to help language for it so really many new players it is mm -hmm. so beneficial Agreed. and i appreciate it so much yeah yeah i think there's uh there's a lot of use out of this for sure. Mm -hmm. um, kind of having language for it instead of having to say every single time ability check attack roll saving throw, just having the term D20 mm -hmm. test is super useful. One thing I will say that's interesting in the text here um, is they call out that um, to be warranted to call for a D20 test, the DC needs to be no less than five, which is fine. Mm -hmm. That tracks to be or no greater than 30. So, uh, this is I think this is new. Is this is explicit language that anything that's above a DC thirty is actually impossible? Yes. Um, which I think is really interesting because there are there's ways that you can roll above a thirty. Yes. Pretty easily, right? Like especially even in like the low to mid levels, like rogue expertise with like a bunch of different options. Like you can pretty easily like a, get a stealth check in the forties. So saying that like basically if it's DC above thirty, don't even bother rolling because there's no way you can succeed. 
uh, kind of works alongside the new crit rules, mm-hmm. um, which makes these two things interact with each other very interestingly. But I think the language, th- them explicitly saying, hey, if you determine things are impossible, then there's no point in rolling. Uh, and anything that you would say is above a DC 30 is, is genuinely impossible, I think is, is an interesting, interesting situation. Yeah. And I think one thing that you kind of lead into there is the, the sort of crit rules that they have here. Um, so they yeah. have canonical rules for rolling a one, automatic fail. Regardless of any modifiers to the roll, yes. automatic fail. That so I honestly have no issue that with. That used to be, yeah, that used to be true of uh, attack rolls, and now it is true of saving throws yeah. and uh, uh, ability checks as well, just to be clear. What I like is that it's an automatic fail and not a critical fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no fumbles. Yeah. But like, I think people are still going to use it that way, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, d- I don't I, like that, <laughs> if I'm being honest. This like, is the amount the, of times where I've thing... been, like, a, you know, at a lower level where I only have mm-hmm. one fucking weapon and I roll a one. And then they're like, oh, yeah, so you actually trip and your sword breaks. And it's like, yeah. hey, why? Like, why? Yeah. Why? I already missed, dude. Yeah. Like, that's enough. That's enough of a punishment. I I will say I don't know how I feel about um, automatically failing on a one just because, like, again, with things like, like, let's say, for example, like I'm a bard with a plus nine to performance. If I roll a one in the old rules, that's still a 10. Right. So like, it's still like a middling number. Like, I just feel like there's, there's certain things that like, I think if you build your character in a certain way, there are just some things that you shouldn't be able to fail at. But then again, like the idea is like, I I understand. It must have a target number no less than five. So I think that kind of, that kind of states it. Like if, if it's easy enough to do, I feel like your passive ability modifier and stuff, like it makes sense. Cause like, you know, everyone talks about passive perception. The thing is passive, passive ability stats work for all stats. And they do have that in in the rules in original 5e yeah i mean yeah. there's there's that there's there's something to be said about that for sure yeah. um but it would be nice to to be able to rely on that <laughs> yeah um yeah rolling a 20 rolling a 20 this i do have the more interesting with. part <laughs> <laughs> if i'm being honest um yeah. if, if you roll a 20 on the d20 the d20 test automatically succeeds regardless of any mm-hmm. modifiers to the roll a player character also gains inspiration when rolling the 20 thanks to the remarkable success I yeah. like the fact that they gain inspiration. That's cool. Love that. But the fact that something automatically succeeds, I do I do find issue with a little bit because especially for certain like ability checks and such, um, you know, there's only so well you can do certain things. But then again, I yeah. guess with the with the idea of like having a DC no more than 30 and stuff like that, like I guess there's some sort of ability to it but i like there's also argument to be made of like you know if you're introducing a big bad evil guy that's a demon lord say uh you know and you're introducing them as like this big bad evil guy that they're going to face at level 20 but they're currently level one there is no way that a player at level one should be able to smack a demon lord but if they roll a nat 20 then they yeah. do right so it's kind of well, just that was, like that was true in the old rules as well right like attack rolls on a 20 automatically hit no matter what so i think yeah, i guess so I don't know. It's it is interesting to me that like they've they've made these critical successes and failures mm-hmm. into actual rules. A lot of play a lot of tables already play like this. Maybe yeah. because they thought that was the original rule in the first place because it was not very mm-hmm. clear or it's not very um doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if you it's not intuitive. Yeah. Um, to think that like attack rolls can crit, but uh, ability checks and saving throws can't. There's also interesting rules here for critical hits. Yes. Um, which I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's been covered yet, but um, you can now your, your critical hit damage. So like if you roll a twenty on a uh, weapon or an unarmed strike, 
that's considered a critical hit. So mm -hmm. you roll extra damage towards the target. So this means a couple of things. Um, what spells can no longer crit, um, which, which is, is some very interesting. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think my firebolt should still be able to crit. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't necessarily understand the philosophy behind making spells not be able to crit. I, at higher levels, it probably doesn't make a huge difference just because most spells are be saving throws anyway. Mm hmm. Um, but I think at a lower level for sure makes it makes a difference. Um, this also, to be clear, the language here means that monsters no longer crit. Yes. Uh, it's this is specifically a feature for player characters with weapons and unarmed strikes. Um, so I would like to see uh, in later UA how they're going to change their monster design because I actually think. And this might be controversial. I actually think that this is a fine change that monsters can't crit as long as they have other abilities that are interesting, right? So, like, 100%. let's say, for example, like, if a dragon, for example, rolls a 20, instead of doing extra damage, they, like, recharge their breath weapon instantly, right? Like, still mm -hmm. giving them things they that, like, the DM can celebrate on a 20 roll, on an attack roll, um, I, think, I think would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, like the the only times that I have ever fudged dice rolls as a DM, mm -hmm. um, is when I roll a crit and I know that it's going to straight up yeah. kill a player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of that rule, right? And and so I think right. having something extra for when the DM rolls a crit, um, for these monsters and such, I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that the way this is written, um, it just is an extra roll of the damage die of the weapon, mm -hmm. uh, which means that based on these rules compatible with the 5e player's handbook things like uh divine smite from a paladin and sneak attack from a rogue also don't get doubled um which probably to be honest with you probably feels bad for a rogue or a paladin player um a lot of paladin players save their smites for when they crit um yep. so there is something to be said about like making the math of D D 5e less swingy um but i think i would be happiest if they made it so that uh even though like crits don't apply universally that if they were to add a line of text in divine smite and uh and uh sneak attack saying that those do get doubled by crits i think is probably the way i would go about it yeah because but, i mean uh, the thing is like when when you do have those slightly swingier moments that is some of the most that th those are some of the most fun moments at a table so if you yeah. omit that then like you are just taking away fun from players yeah it's as simple as that um i don't i don't disagree with that at all yeah. It's like the, those moments aren't even just fun for the one rolling the dice. That's fun for the entire party. Okay, I think I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to cover. Um, there's a few other like details in here, but I, mm -hmm. we're going to link this document in the show notes anyway. So if 100%. we wanted to take a closer look at this 21-page document, please do. Um, Dunk, how are you feeling overall about this document and about the direction that it looks like Wizards is going in? What are your overall thoughts? Um, if this isn't a D&D 5.5, then I'm going to eat my own glasses. Like, fuck. It's, <laughs> you know, um, like it's, uh, I, I, it, it's such huge overhauls to the way that we create characters. Um, and so many, like so many, like, you know, commonly used rules that it has to be some sort of major update. Like yeah, it's, course, it's not going to be compatible with the 2014 players handbook simple as that well i think i think they're saying it's gonna be backwards compatible but i think what they mean is with the adventures you know what i mean not necessarily like the, yes 
yes. the rules for character creation, things like that. that, that um, that's why I specifically like said it's not backwards compatible with the 2014 players. Yeah. Handbook. Yeah. It's still like you, you can run Lost Minds of Fandelver with these new rules. Mm-hmm. But um, like, I think once I'm really excited to see what the new classes look like yes. uh, in terms of overhauls for that. That's what I'm um, most excited for next, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think this is a good direction so far? Like, how, how do you like how do you actually feel about this document itself in terms of what they're doing with character creation? I'm gonna say like net value, taking mm-hmm. like you know because I I really think there's like there's a lot of really cool things and a lot of really good improvements, and I think yeah. there's some things that I do have like issue and gripe with, but mm-hmm. I think overall net positive. I I think I'm I'm excited yeah. to see what's moving forward. I think the 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 lessening of race essentialism. I'm thinking. Um, you know, the way in which backgrounds are so much more vital to your character customization, it makes a lot more sense. Um, it feels a lot better. I, I think, you know, the language that is put into this document in, you know, almost every single sentence is far more intentional than anything we've seen in any of the other D&D books. And I, I yeah. think, I, I, I just think that's going to help with discussion about rules and with you know understanding of these rules like i i think that's all going to be for the better like i i can't yeah. see it being um anything less than an improvement so yeah. i think i i fully yeah. agree i think this is a I, I i'm i'm very positive about the like maybe 90 percent of these changes yeah I, like that's I, the I'm thing a like, a, like what's going on exactly here. i mean this is this is ua right this is unearthed arcana yeah so things are going to change hopefully things change in the better because like we've seen before things changing in the better and we've seen things before changing to be kind of less fun so we'll see how how this come turns out but i've got a good feeling about this one yeah yeah i think um i think this is overall a good direction for D to be going into i would just to be clear, I think it'd be really, really fun to run just like a very low level stakes adventure mm-hmm. with these character creation rules. Like just like you're, you're limited to these eight races, you're limited to these backgrounds. Let's see what we can do. Um, I don't know if I necessarily want to do that before we see what the class revisions look like. Um, but I think this is a, this is definitely a good start for that kind of thing. Like it, it makes me excited to run D and D, you know, yeah. which, is, which is always a good sign. Maybe maybe we'll have to uh, maybe we'll have to do a special episode of Castle of Trace where we where we play test this material on a podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. that could be fun. Could be fun. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Please like and subscribe. Was there anything else you wanted to? Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to cover before we uh, before we sign off? Um, Yeah. So I think uh, you know as I stated before, um, I'm doing a a hexaden um, in an upcoming multi shot. Yes. Um, yeah. Which let's, is let's do. Yeah. Some we, can, big, we can do a little bit of follow up about yeah, that for sure. Um, I, I have definitely come out on this podcast before as like anti paladin in many ways, um, and I'm I'm really excited to play the, to play a paladin um, for um, pretty much the first time since the very first time I played D and D five e. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite interesting because um, you know I'm actually playing a conquest paladin, which I think is one of the mm-hmm. paladins that I specifically stated like issue with in some way um before <laughs> maybe on this podcast i know oath of glory definitely has like no chill but um oath of conquest yeah. is like definitely like one of those problematic ones as well um but you know i am a I, i've made this character that is uh serving a uh fallen angel fiend okay um and is a lawful evil character 
um, in Planescape. Um, so basically, you know, running missions and stuff, kind of mafioso-ish organized crime because yeah. fiends are very, like, lawful organized. And I think they have, like, especially with the deal of souls and stuff, there's, like, definitely some, like, very mobster vibes to it. Um, so I'm kind of, like, playing this, like, fixer character. Um, and so the Conquest Paladin really kind of makes that shine a little bit in a really yeah. interesting way. Um, like and part of the reason why I'm doing that is because uh, someone else is already playing a warlock serving the same um, <laughs> entity because, like, we're all working together. So, like, it was, uh, you know, just some waves of, like, making everything work well together. But honestly, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, and then, yeah, doing the, like, one level dip into Hex uh, Blade Warlock is maybe going to not no longer be a thing yeah that's needed or nothing something you have to do anyway, yeah which i'm really although what i will say is like having one extra spell slot, <laughs> smite slot rather um is yeah. is always fun and then having cantrips is is yeah. nice um yeah. but yeah so i think it's interesting that we both independently rolled up hexadens for our current games I yeah i think that was really i don't know funny. how to feel about that um <laughs> yeah. uh yeah i'm i'm quite excited uh yeah. <laughs> for playing that and maybe we'll maybe we'll have to talk about those experiences uh in the next episode yeah i mean uh yeah i'll, I'll let you know kind of if uh if that whole game comes to fruition because right now it's a little bit up in the air but i do yeah. have the here I, can, I got the character sheet right here Ooh. his name is pib his name is pib yeah I I, like we'll that. talk I, I think we'll talk more about that off camera yeah <laughs> all right maybe we can uh maybe we can upload our character sheets uh onto the uh if, if we like scan them or whatever we can upload them onto the that show notes all right. Is there anything you want to uh, finish up with, or? Yeah, I mean, not D and D related, um, but just kind of like as a general plug. Um, Front porch music, our podcast that on the front porch is kind of popping off right now. Um, we just had an episode go live while we were recording this. Oh, uh, oh. Brian John Harwood um, is a very interesting guy. Uh, we just get, did an interview with him. Um, he used to be a professional chef. Uh, before he became a country musician. Wow. Um, and while he was a professional chef, uh, Hulk Hogan, he served him once, and uh, Hulk Hogan gave him a, a big old bear hug and called him brother. Um, so he was he was blessed by Hulk Hogan <laughs> at some point, um, which is probably, I don't know, that, that just strikes me as something that's really insane to have happen to you. That um, so if definitely you sounds more like it'd be a good story, interview. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear more about that story, uh, you can go check out the newest episode of On the Porch with Front Porch Music. Um, that's that's really all I got to plug at this moment. So fair enough. Yeah, if we're uh, plugging stuff, yeah. then um, yeah. So if anyone is interested in like leftist uh, queer uh, faith content, um, check out my other work. Uh, we're we're back from our summer of adventure and stuff, Divi and I. Um, mm -hmm. You know, talking about talking about that, and then the upcoming episodes. We got another episode that's been released talking about um, the Korean peace appeal because uh, what a lot of people don't know is like the Korean War never actually technically ended. Um, so we have some yeah. some people talking about that and some like familial relations to that and ongoing campaigns for that. Um, so yeah, please uh, check out that episode. And then coming in the next couple of weeks, uh, we've got some more conversations about our you know summer adventures and stuff, uh, including our trip to Germany for the World Student Christian Federation, which is like this big you know conglomerate international body likened you know like a discount UN almost. Um, voting on shit and I represented Canada so that was like whack and I got to go to Berlin for that which is like super cool and queer and anarchist um, and loved every minute of it um, yeah and so if you're interested in any of that all that stuff is coming up yeah soon that sounds like something um, I definitely recommend you check out yeah so Spirits Rising uh, link will be below um, and of course if you're listening 
in mid-September ish, somewhere around there. Um, it'll probably no longer be called Spirits Rising, but the Samaritan yeah, Soapbox. It'll be called um, but, Samaritan Soapbox. Yeah, and we've got so, some really cool we'll, we'll interviews. Search both those on your podcast. Yeah, and see what happens. Uh, and we've got some really cool interviews coming up for that reboot uh, with uh, Julian Monroe, who's like this um, theological drag artist. So like, does worship nice. in as as a drag clown. So they're doing clown drag. <laughs> um yeah they're really cool they're Fucking a colleague awesome. of mine from school um and then of course also um this like very notable mackie ash uh i'm forgetting their last name right now um but she's this like super cool uh anarchist theologian um uh, who's also a trans woman um and has done a lot of really cool online contents about uh anarchist theology um so that'll be coming up soonish too um, and we'll be talking about like the idea and the concept of like the holy fool, which is uh, really quite interesting. Uh, I think for the idea, it, it honestly brought me a lot of D and D ideas, if I'm being honest, because like the holy fool, like historical characters that like, you know, in the idea of serving God and stuff, um, you know, basically just decided that the way to do that is to make people uncomfortable, like a like a um, Socratic gadfly almost, so people yeah. like you know, walk around uh, naked and, like, throw acorns at people while dragging a dead dog around. Um, and that's how they sure. would serve God. Um, yeah. And it was... Why not? Yeah, it's just absolutely wacky. So we're going to be talking about all that kind <laughs> of stuff um, going forward. So if, if any of that interests you, uh, check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening to Cast the Trace. Uh, we're back, probably. We're back. Uh, we're going to... I'm hoping we do a much more... Um, uh, regular schedule for the time being. So um, now that kind of the summer has is starting to die down, we're getting more into you know I'll be spending a lot more time inside probably, so yep. <laughs> be able to to get that done. Um, yeah, so definitely check us out. Like make sure to give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Um, our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram are CWTPOD. Um, so make sure to check us out there. Um, yeah, give us a follow and we'll. Uh, you know, the only way to really know when episodes are coming out is to follow us uh, on on your podcast apps and on your, on your social medias. So, uh, definitely give us a follow there. Yes, 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 and thank you. Uh, yeah, and also letting a friend know about the podcast or sharing it yeah. on the social medias is always super helpful because uh, we of are course. poor students who uh, can't really afford to advertise the podcast in any way so you know however you want to <laughs> you rely entirely on word of mouth yes uh and uh yeah write our names in the sky if the spirit calls you um yeah whatever you want to do yeah um, drag a dead dog around to throw acorns at people yes um and tell them to like and subscribe to castle of trade yeah <laughs> all right we'll catch you guys next time right. bye